0: Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. I told the nine o'clock crowd that they were my favorite gathering of Good Shepherd people, but I just changed my mind. (laughs) It is the 1030 people of Good Shepherd. So glad to see all of you. I am Talbot Davis, I'm the pastor here, whether it's 9 or 10.30 or whether it's live or live stream, I'm the pastor here. Really glad that you've joined us for this second week of this message series, all about beginning again and again and again, all the times that we have to relaunch and restart. Last week, we talked about rethink and, and we, we learned together, don't believe everything you think, think everything you believe. And today, for week two of the series, it's called Renew. And if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to locate in your Bible, in the New Testament section of your Bible, the letter to Titus, Titus chapter 3, and verses 3 through 7. Maybe your Bible looks like mine, or maybe it's on your phone, either one of those is okay. and. And if, you, and if you don't have either of those options, that's okay as well because all the information is going to be up on the screen just when it needs to be up on the screen. That's how it happens here almost every time. What you may not know is that uh, when we look at the book of Titus, Titus didn't just drop out of heaven in, into the Bible. It's actually a real letter from a real man named Paul, pastor, missionary, author, To another pastor. Usually, Paul writes his letters to churches, like the church in Rome or Corinth or Philippi. This is a letter to a pastor, to a guy named Titus, who's the pastor of a church in on the Greek island of Crete. We'll get to that in just a minute. Chapter chapter three and verses three through seven. That's just a fact, and uh, we'll we'll get to Crete in just a minute. Sorry, a little ahead of myself. Um, That's just a fact. And, but the treasured conviction that we have at Good Shepherd is that whether it's Paul's letter to Titus or any of the other books that make up the biblical library, God breathed his life into its words. He put his truth onto its pages. We, you may not believe this yet, and that's okay, but we like to be clear. We actually believe the Bible is inspired, and eternal, and true. And out of that conviction comes this custom that when we talk about the Bible at this church, that we lift it up. And if you're new here and you see all these phones or Bibles or whatever in the air, you're just like, that is so unusual. And and we're like, yes, it is. But we've discovered something about this unusual time. This is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community, that we're a collection of people and we don't have life figured out Most of us learn that the hard way, but we know who does. And because we know who does, we're glad to surrender to his authority. Amen? Amen. And so before I say anything else, let's pray. God, you're good. And Lord, I am powerless without you. Absolutely. But because of you, I'm never helpless. So fill me and everyone within the sound of my voice with everything that is right and good and true and renewing. About the Holy Spirit of God. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I, as, as we begin this second message in this series, re, and we're talking about renew, I know something about you. And I know something about you. And I know something about me. I know something about all of us. You have. A past, I have a past, all of us have a past, some of it, some of our past was sorted, some of it was glorious, and all of it is relevant. One, one of those sayings in, in sort of church land, in, in Christian ease that people like to say is that every saint has a past and every sinner has a, has a future. And as true as all that is, that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of all the ways that yesterday, which doesn't really seem so far away, does it? Thank you for getting it. that. Yesterday... Sort of clouds up today and for some people even blocks tomorrow. Yeah, in, in this past that I'm talking about, some of you some of you were victims of a past. and others of you were villains in the past. And still others of you were a little bit of, of both. But however it come, came to past, Who you are today is shaped in ways way beyond you can even understand, way beyond your understanding. Who you are today is shaped by yesterday. And and, and y'all know this is true because you tell me this is true. You're you're such marvelous people, such trusting people. You let me in and other pastors here into some of the most vulnerable places of your life. It's, It's the divorce that you grew up in the middle of. And one parent took you as a confidant and the other parent used you as a whipping post and whichever one did whichever thing, both of them treated you as an adult and exposed you to adult kind of emotions way before you were prepared for it. It's the inappropriate, intimate touch that a family member inflicted on you the scars are still there. It's the parent who walked out on you, the abandonment that you grew up in the middle of. In in fact, a guy told me just a few weeks ago that his greatest fear in life is doing to his kids what his dad had done to him in that sense of abandonment. It's the season that, that some of you spent, and whether it was chemical addiction or addiction to gambling, or addiction to porn, or addiction to cutting, or addiction to shopping. And even though that was your past, that was a vivid season in your past, and even though it seems like you're, you're mostly over it, every once in a while, that past keeps barreling back into your present, and the re that you most fear in your life is relapse. Because you know how good recovery is And now relapse is all around you. Yeah, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. And that doesn't even begin to describe what's really going on in the deepest sense of your life and my life. And I get all that. I I, I get how deep what's really going on is by, by looking over the shoulder at Paul pastor, missionary, author, 20 years after Jesus died and rose again, 30 years after the resurrection. And he's writing a letter to his son in the faith, a man named Titus. And, and Titus, as I mentioned, he's the pastor of a, of a church on the Greek island of crete now we have that that's where crete is it's in the mediterranean sea it's a greek island i heard one time people described it as a greekian island no there's no such thing as a greekian island it is a greek island uh, of crete and and uh, the church that titus is pastoring there it's vulnerable to all kinds of false teaching from within But it's also subject to the influence of an unstable, kind of wicked culture from beyond. And and so with all that in the background, Paul has to shore up his guy, Titus. I I want you to be the best kind of pastor you can possibly be. And look at what he says, chapter 3, verse 3. At one time, we too were foolish. You know what that means? At one one time, we, we had a past. Hey, yo, Titus, you, me, everybody else, we had a path. We were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Woo! All kinds of passions and pleasures. You know what that means? They knew how to party in the Bible. We think we perfected partying hard. No, they knew how to party in the Bible. They knew how to party in Crete. Hello, that's why they were called Cretans. It really is. This was worth coming to church for, people. When when someone gets, well, you're just a Cretan. Well, that's where it comes from. Yeah. They, and, and, and whether it was Crete in Bible days or whether it's greater Charlotte in modern days, whether the kind of partying, pleasure-seeking that I'm talking about, whether it has to do with kind of a chemical euphoria or whether it's relationship-driven or, or sexually driven, do you know what it all shares in common? That it starts out as self-discovery and it, and it ends up as self-destruction. It, it starts out as, woo, look at me and my new toy. I am really finding out who I am these days. I got this new pill. I got this new habit. I got this new squeeze. I am free. And six months later, the thing that we thought was freeing us actually has us trapped and enslaved. We thought we finally figured out who we were. We thought we discovered our truth. Yeah, y'all know this, don't you? There is no such thing as your truth. There is truth. Can I hear an amen? God did not, God did not put you on earth so that you could do you. He put you on earth so that you could become his. And every time you go off into the season of you doing you, six months later, you doing you has you all kind of encircled and all kind of entrapped. And now I have just explained so much of what goes on in your life. But what you may not realize is that all these things from your, your past, you may not realize why they have such enduring power in your present Why does all that stuff that I was a victim of, why does all that stuff that I was a villain in, why does all that stuff keep resurfacing in my today? You know why? Because it's all idols. That's what Paul is saying. Every bit of pleasure seeking, every bit of you doing you eating, all of it has the power of an idol, a false God, a little God, And little gods, once you start worshiping them, they do not like to give up. They want to be worshiped again and again and again. And that's why even when you feel like you've been free of something like, my man, I haven't placed a bet in six months. I haven't looked at an image on the computer that I shouldn't be looking at. I haven't done that in, in three weeks. I haven't had a drink in a year. And no matter how long it's been since you've done some of those things, those behaviors that make you feel so stuck, there it is again, barreling into your present, pulling you back into those same old behaviors. And now you know why? Because idols, once they have you, they don't give up. And even if you discard them for a time, they're going to come running after you. They're going to come chasing you and they're going to come demanding your allegiance. And I have just explained every, especially those of you in recovery, I've just explained every relapse you've ever had and every tendency you have to get stuck in life. And one more thing, just because Paul is so brilliant after he talks about, hey, this is what we used to do, Titus. This is what Cretans do. This is where pleasure loving gets you. Look where he he goes in the next part of verse three. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. I love that. I don't love it because it's like a really good thing. But I love it because Paul's diagnosis is so accurate because pleasure loving always leads to people hating, always. That's why the Beatles, y'all remember the Bales? That's what, thank you. They, they sang like 30 years before you were born. The Beatles, <laughs> that's why they could sing All You Need Is Love in 1967 and they hated each other in 1970. Because they were in this drug-addled, pleasure-seeking escape from reality. It's why every band you've ever ever loved, every band I've ever loved, you go to one concert and they're singing about peace and love. And at the next concert, they are at each other's throats. It's because pleasure-loving equals people-hating. Because once those idols have you, they want your allegiance and they demand it totally. And if they see a relationship getting in the way, what? You, you love your friend, you love your family, you, you love that guy in your life group more than you love me, that idol is gonna stir up all the people hating it can muster. And so that's deep, that's heavy. And you, you, you knew you had a past, you just, you just didn't know that was all that was involved in your past. And if Paul had stopped dictating his letter. And that's how he wrote his letters. He he walked around and he dictated them. And if he'd stopped dictating his letter to Titus at chapter three, we'd be sunk. But instead, Paul keeps dictating. He keeps writing. And in verse four, he gives us the three greatest words in the human language. Look at what he says in verse four. But when God, but When the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared. We're going along. We're worshiping our idols, not even knowing they're idols. We escape from our idols for a little bit, and then they pull us back into the past because we never knew they were idols. But God intervenes. We're not looking for God. He's chasing after us. We're, we're, we're going our own Mary. We're, we're, you're, you're doing you. And God says, I love you too much. to so Let you keep getting away with it. I, I got to intervene. And what is God's motivation for this intervention? What, what does it say? His kindness and his, because he's good. Because he's kind. Because he does love you way too much to let your self-discovery continue to lead to your self-destruction. And what happens when God intervenes? Look at the very first part of verse five. He saved us. You know, I I like those commercials, kinda, that are on, and if you stream, you don't know what I'm talking about, but commercials are part of broadcast television that, that help networks pay for what's going on, but... I, I, I kind of like those commercials. He gets us. They're, they're about Jesus. And they're usually kind of emotional pull. And the, the tagline is, is he gets us. And I, and I kind of like those as an introduction. But, but you know what? It, it implies that our greatest need is to be understood. Oh, he gets us. No. Our greatest need is to be delivered from ourselves. He saves us. And so the commercials might be nice just as a first step. But the great need that you have and the great need that I have is to be rescued from all of our self-destructive streaks. And God doesn't just get, or because he gets us, he he knows how messed up we are. He saves us. And, And look where Paul goes from there in verse five. Not because of righteous things we had done but because of his mercy. When when he saves us, when he he guarantees our place in heaven, I hope hope there's nobody within the sound of my voice, live or live stream, is trusting your goodness to get you to heaven after you die. Because as good as you are, you're not not good enough. But you trust his greatness? His greatness is perfect. And that's what Paul is saying. Verse 5 not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth. And what's the next word? Renew. Some of you are like, and no. The next <laughs> rebirth, <laughs> rebirth, and renew. renew. Ah, there that oh, that's why you called this message renew. Yes. Renewal. God takes people, and by his power, God takes people who are stuck who cannot get out of their own way, whose past keeps barreling into the present. And you just now today realize, oh, that's because that past was an idol. And God saves us and lets us begin again because his power, the power of his blood, the power of his resurrection is so much greater than the power of that idol in your life. I don't know if you knew that or not, but the power of the gospel sweeps away the power of the idol. And what is the result of all of that, of all that renewing that goes on in your life and in my life? Look at how it ends up in verse six and in verse seven, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our savior, so that having been justified, meaning made right with God, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Thank you. Heirs. I'm getting this heirs Water, airs, <laughs> having the hope of e- eternal life. Oh, that's why he does it. So that, so that every person who feels like an outcast, every person who feels like you'll never be good enough because of what that person who touched you did to you, every person who feels like you can never come back from the divorce you grew up in or the divorce you caused, Every person who takes three steps forward in getting freedom from alcohol, only to fall two steps backward, so that every one of you will know that you are heirs, treasured family. Members brought into the household of God, who wants only your goodness and your best and your tomorrow. Because here's what I want you to know. Here's the takeaway. Here's what our Jesus does for us. Jesus conquers the idols of your past, so you will discover the goodness of His future. That that that's what our our Jesus. Is. We have these idols in our lives that a lot of you didn't even know was an idol till today. And yet the gospel comes in, the resurrected king who's resurrecting me, he comes along and he's the idol breaker. He's the idol smasher. And he conquers those idols of your past, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but always right on time. And he conquers those idols of your past so that you can discover the goodness of his future. And get this, when he does it, Like I said, it is not so that you can do you. You don't want to do you. That's why you're a mess. It's so that you can be his. Hallelujah. So you can be his. Jesus conquers the idols of your past. So you'll discover the goodness of his future. There's a guy here, maybe 10 guys here, maybe 20 guys And your idol is gambling. And you can't believe I just said that because you didn't think anybody knew. But it's on your phone and it is so easy. And the adrenaline, you don't even care about sports that much. And now, because it's on your phone, because of the adrenaline rush, you can't get it. You're like, you even know this is super wild card weekend in the National Football League. And every week, every week you're like, I'm not, not this week, not this week. I'm not going to bet this week. I'm not, not. And then it's this week and you've done it all over again. And you can't believe how much you have riding on the games later today. And it has become such an idol in your life, guys, that you have a whole new re in your life, repo. <laughs> and repo may have been funny as a TV show. You may have chuckled now, but now that it's part of your life, now that you see what compulsive gambling is doing, there's not a single thing funny about it. And I just want you to know that Jesus comes. You will not white knuckle your way out of it. You will not be, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to, that's why you're powerless, But when you admit you're powerless, you also acknowledge you're never helpless. You can't white knuckle your way out of it, but Jesus's blood, Jesus's resurrection alone gives you the power to have freedom from it. Because Jesus conquers the idols of your past. So you'll discover the goodness of his future. And when I talk about the the goodness of his future, what I'm talking about is is getting you away from asking that question. what's God's plan for my life? That doesn't really matter. The big question is, does God have your life for his plan? That matters a lot. And every idol you have, every way that you feel stuck, even every way that, that some of you are so comfortable in drama, kind of addicted to drama, actually, that if you don't have some drama going on in your life, you'll go chase down somebody else's and make it your own. Every, y'all do this. You tell me. And every way that that characterizes you, it is because Jesus does not have first place in your life. You know the commandment, you shall have no other idols before me. And I don't know if you know that literally meant do not place those idols uh, on a, on a, uh, in your sight line, the little statues, so that they are before me in your vision. And Jesus comes along and he sweeps all those idols off so that all that you can gaze at is his cross and his resurrected glory. That's how he conquers those idols of your past. Don't white knuckle it. Don't try super hard, acknowledge, (laughs) acknowledge that if he has the power to speak the universe into existence with a word, and he does, he has the power to cleanse you from the inside out and to free you from the tentacles that your past currently has on you. And all that, that's why we're super, super excited about Regeneration, a brand new ministry that we launch at the end of this month. Because every one of you who, who feels stuck, every one of you who, who feels like you cannot get over old compulsions, the way that Jesus does this, yeah, sometimes he does it quickly and sometimes he does it slowly, but always he does it right on time. A lot of you, man, I just wanna be better today. And it doesn't happen in one great leap. It happens in massively small steps. And it doesn't happen in isolation. You you won't get better on your own. It only only happens in the middle of a community of people kind of just as messed up as you are. And that's why regeneration, which we believe will do for people's emotional health and relational health, what re-engage has done for people's marriages around here. That's why it starts later this month. We're gonna give you a sneak preview. I got something else I'm gonna say, but take a look. At the sneak preview for regeneration up on the screen. My name is Jim. Hi, my name is Courtney. My name is Bobby. I have a new life in Christ. And I'm a recovery from pride, anxiety, fear of rejection. And seeking comfort in the created rather than the creator. Before surrendering to Christ, my life was marked by a fear to be known by anyone. So I know what it's like to live a double life. To be a professed follower of Christ, but to struggle with secret sin. Before Christ, my life was riddled with depression, anxiety, abuse. Relationships with women that were strictly about finding my significance in them. I found my identity in my successes and failures and constantly thought that I wasn't good enough. I was living on a couch. My drinking friends were telling me I was drinking too much. Looking for affirmation from the world, from people, from achieving. Having just fear of life change and making decisions and just not having a lot of confidence in who I was. I ended up sucking the life out of a 33-year marriage and creating emotional distance between me and my four children. And I felt like I could not trust God and I felt like he wasn't good and I desperately wanted more. After I met Christ, my life completely changed. I found confidence in being a child of God. I have found my relationship with Him to be the thing that gives me my significance. And my addiction to alcohol and fear of man fell away as He set me free. I confessed my sin, and I became fully known and fully loved. And when I found life in Christ, uh, He gave me all that I needed. I have peace knowing that I can trust the Lord with everything. I didn't have to pretend to be perfect to have it all together anymore. I still struggle in relationships with people, but I am now able to trust the Lord and live authentically and on mission with other believers. Knowing that I'm forgiven and knowing that God's people do love me and that I get to love them back, and there's a lot of beauty in that. Simply put, I have found freedom in Christ. Hi, my name is Courtney. My name is Bobby. My name is Luke. My name is Cam. My name is Michael. My name is Diane. My name is Jim. My name is Sierra. My name is Brittany. My name is John and I have a new life in Christ. Hey, and my name is Talbot, and I have a new life in Christ. I'm no longer my own worst enemy. We have teams of people who have been trained. They've been training for months and months and months to be your leaders in regeneration ministry. It's gonna start on January the 30th. Chris Thayer is gonna give you some ways that, 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 that you can register like even today, cause you're gonna want the emotional health, the freedom from being stuck, the power to identify the idols and the ability to trust Jesus to conquer all of them. Cause Satan's gonna to wanna to come chasing after you. And when he does, you show him the cross. You, you, you say back to hell. Satan, to hell with you, Satan. I have been bought by the blood and I'm being resurrected by the king and Jesus has conquered the idols of my past so I can discover the glory of his future. Amen. Amen and amen. Let's pray. So Lord, thank you that this is what you do. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you are an idol crusher. Thank you that you cleanse our past so that we might glimpse our future. (laughs) Thank you that you expose the folly of us trying to discover ourselves. Nope. We want to surrender to you in every area of life because you're good, because you heal, because it's what you do.